the boys wanted nothing to do with me because I was too big and I was too loud, too masculine. I, I Like I said, I'm pretty sure people could smell the queer on me. I didn't know it myself, <laughs> but they certainly did. And they were like that. Nope. You're listening to Out of the Woods, a podcast that showcases stories from people who once strongly believed in something. Maybe it was a religion, an ideology, even a community. And ultimately, they decided to leave because it was kind of cultish. In this episode, we are hearing from Gabby. Gabby's story is about growing up as an evangelical Christian, um, growing up poor, and, you know, she really identified with her Christianity, with her faith, um, and she found a lot of strength in it, actually. And then, so because of that, partly, she made the decision to go to a local, uh, a local college that also happens to be a very conservative Christian school. So her story is about her crisis of faith in Christianity that followed after attending that college and also coming out as queer. Um, and and she reflects on the turmoil that she experienced after she graduated. So I'll leave it there and I hope that you enjoy hearing from Gabby as much as I did. Can you tell me what the faith was like that you grew up with? Like, and also, like, what was the defining belief of that faith? So, um, I grew up, broadly speaking, in evangelical Christianity. Um, we, my family never actually picked a denomination, which is kind of, if you're someone listening to this and you grew up in that kind of world, um, that's probably going to sound funny because actually the more into that side of religion you are, the more you're like very much tied to your like denomination and we never were. Um, but, um, yeah. And so evangelical Christian is what I would say. Protestant. Um, we went to lots of different kinds of churches. Like I, I went to some Baptist churches, some like church of God, church of Christ, um, churches, usually in that kind of like mainline, like we sang worship songs in church kind of thing. Um, like we had church in like a YMCA and stuff like that. The defining belief was basically that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he is the way, the truth and the light. And there is a heaven and hell. And if you want to go to heaven, you can only do it by believing in God and Jesus and accepting him as your savior and everyone else goes to hell. And also I was always brought up in churches where the Bible was seen as like, um, completely inerrant, like completely true and literal. Um, and the Bible basically um, was kind of the foundation of everything for us. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. How do you feel like this faith may have um, like impacted your family dynamics? Oh, that is such an interesting question. Um, well, that is funny you should ask, because um, it actually was very much tied into it, because my one of the defining features of my life and my story for me is that my dad has pretty severe chronic illness. Um, so my dad mm-hmm. has a genetic kidney disease um, that I'm actually also the carrier of. So um, his kidneys failed when he was about my age, around like 23, 24, I'm 25. Um, and basically it just like has been never ending health problems since then. Um, he never worked like he was just always too sick. Um, that kind of thing. And there was a lot of 
complications that came along with his kidney transplants. He's had two of them. Um, so what an interesting question. Cause it's all kind of tied together. Um, like I think we, my family came to lean so heavily on our faith and for it became such a central part of our like daily life was because of that. And because like, it felt so it felt like if we didn't have that then like my dad's illness would just like be in vain like there would be no point to it and like something about faith and like being christian is like always making like meaning out of pain or like there's always like a lesson to be learned or like god is testing you um and that kind of helps to like make sense of it um and just feel like it's not like for nothing and like we always like i think one one of the ways a term for this is, is spiritual bypassing, but like, and, and I had to deal with this later and still now, but instead of like dealing with the pain of my dad's illness in the moment, we would kind of just like bypass it and be like, oh, well, it's just like, it's, it's what we have. It's part of our story. And like, dad will be healed when he gets to heaven. And like, that's what we have to look forward to. Um, and I definitely think that like got us through a lot of things. And so in that way, I really don't regret anything. Cause like, there was just times where like, I don't know what else we would have done. I think we would have fallen apart if we didn't have like that to lean on. And I think, I think that's why my parents still cling to the faith so much because like, if not, it's like, well then what was all that for? You know? And I can see why that's so hard. Um, And then when it comes to being conservative Christian, there's always kind of like weird gender dynamics. Um, And, but again, that was interesting because since my dad couldn't work, he was too sick. My mom had to, and that always seemed normal to me because that's just the way it always was. Um, but as I got older, and especially when I, went, when I went to like a conservative college, I realized that that was definitely not the norm. <laughs> and like the expectation was that women were supposed to like just stay home and have kids and like men would work. And then I, I kind of understood why my dad was always so sensitive about it, um, which like oh, he still yeah. kind of is. Yeah, he's like very sensitive about the fact that like he can't work and like he couldn't provide for us, which like for me and like my brother and my mom, I, well, that was never like, uh, we were just like, dude, like, <laughs> like you can barely get out of bed some days. Like no one is expecting you to do that. Like, we're just happy that you're here, you know? And right. so I would say I, I could probably talk about that <laughs> forever, but I yeah. would say that's like kind of the summary I think of how it impacted us. I'm curious, like, sort of on a practical level like I guess like an experiential level if that makes sense um what did it look like to practice your faith um like with your family so I mean as you can guess the main I would say the main way would be that we went to church every Sunday um every single Sunday unless one of us was like really really sick and then even then we would the rest of them would probably still go um for my whole life up until I went to college. Um, and we went to different churches, but you know, we were always trying to find a church to go to. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, just being involved with the church. So like Sunday mornings is when we would go. And then sometimes when we went to certain churches, there would be like, you know, like kids club or like Awana programs. I don't know if you know what those are, but (laughs) it's just basically Mm -hmm. like kids, like kind of like kids versions of like Bible study. Um, but like they would have like games and stuff. Um, or like my parents would go to Bible study during the week. Um, so it was very much like just being very involved with a church, um, like going to events when they had them. It also meant like my parents would tithe. Um, so they went, they would like, give a certain amount of like money to the church and like try to save for it which 
was kind of a point of contention because we definitely struggled with money because like my dad couldn't work and like because of his medical bills um and like we actually went bankrupt twice in my life um and so like that was always kind of like a, a source of tension because yeah. they felt like they couldn't do that um but anyway so like that was definitely part of it was like giving monetarily to the church and just like praying a lot praying was definitely a big part of it we would, we would pray before we ate dinner every every day we'd sit down to dinner together and pray we were not allowed to eat before we prayed my brother would get very mad at me <laughs> which was funny uh, i was always so hungry i just wanted to eat um but we would pray together and then we would pray before we went to bed um and that was something that I carried with me for a long time. And even still now, sometimes I feel like I, I have to do something before I go to bed, like kind of like a, a mind clearing thing, just because I always did that before we went to bed. Like we would all yeah. pray together. Um, like my mom would come in and pray with us before we went to sleep. Um, So, yeah, I mean, those were like the practical things we did. And just like in general, we thought of ourselves like when you're when you're a Christian, you're supposed to be like separate you're not supposed to be worldly. Um, so like, as I got older, I, I was taught like not to swear, like not to engage in like certain things, like to be pure sexually. So like not to like date or like be a flirt and, um, not to watch certain things, like watch certain movies and like, you're supposed to do all that. So you would be like a light to like your friends, which, Looking back, I don't think any of my, like, middle school friends cared that I didn't swear or whatever, <laughs> but, like, that was, like, <laughs> the idea. And so, honestly, that's not true. I, sometimes people would be, like, you know, like, you never, I've never heard you swear before. Like, what is that about? I don't have to be, like, well, I'm a Christian and we don't do that. And they'd just be, like, okay. You know what I mean? I think the <laughs> idea was, like, then they would be, like, oh, I want to do that, too. But they never did. So, I don't know. <laughs> came up with that. Um so yeah, those are kind of like the practicalities of, of being a conservative Christian. Very much like keeping in time with the rhythms of the church, I would say, is like the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah. When So I'm curious, like when you say conservative, um, do you mean also politically or do you mean like conservative Christian as in like the belief in a, the Bible is inerrant? Mm, I would say both. Um, yes, both. But growing up, it was not as politically conservative as I encountered when I went to college um, mm -hmm. and that that was a shock to me actually. Cause I didn't realize um, that faith could be so tied up into politics like that, but, but definitely both. I mean, my parents are 63 and they're white and they were always Republicans and they were raised kind of on like the more conservative side of things. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean that's a whole thing because like we were we were always like poor and so now that I'm I'm older I mean I I'm a self-confessed leftist very very far left left just left left of left and to me <laughs> you know I arrived at that conclusion because of how we grew up and like the neighborhood we grew up in which was like a poor neighborhood and all that stuff and so like it's hard for me to look at my parents and be like were you not paying attention like what mm -hmm. like I arrived at this conclusion because of our experience. Like, so what, what have you guys been doing? But yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you know, the Republican party and the religious right have kind of got a grip on, on Christianity in America. And um, that's just kind of how a lot of it is. 
And that is definitely a big part of why I left. Um, but yeah, I mean, growing up, this is funny, but I tell my friends, like, I was cyber school in middle school, and I remember being at home, and, like, my dad would be, like, watching Fox News and, like, listening to, like, the Glenn Beck Radio Hour and, like, stuff like that. And I definitely heard a lot of, like, weird things. Like, I remember yeah. I'm I'm 25, so during the Bush-Carey election, I was pretty young. What was that, 2004? Mm-hmm. So I was, like, nine. Yeah. And... I remember my dad being like, oh, like John Kerry's so evil. And I was like, why? Like, what does he do? And he was like, well, he kills babies. And I was like, what? And then later I realized, <laughs> I was like, how are they letting him do that? And then later I realized that, like, <laughs> what he meant was, like, he supported abortion. And I was like, right. why, did, why right. did he have to say it like that? Like, it was very that. And so, yeah, I mean, that probably sounds wild to someone who grew up in a more leftist, um, more leftist upbringing. But that that was nothing compared to what I encountered in college. And I mean, the thing I, I do want to say, like, I still love my parents, like, so much. Like, they're so important mm-hmm. to me. My family is so important to me. Yeah. Um, And as I got older, obviously, like, I kind of, like, um, broke away from them politically. But I will say they at least always, like, hear me out. Um, so we still we still talk about things even to this day. Um, we don't yeah. agree, but we do talk. And my parents are very loving people. Mm-hmm. Which is why sometimes I want to like throttle them and be like, you like look at the big picture, like the beliefs that you support politically hurt the people that you care about, you know, and like because my parents are the type of people that like they would take the shirt off their back if they saw someone struggling, you know, but it's like you don't vote for policies that help the people struggling. It's just like very, very annoying. Um, But so, yeah, it definitely was conservative politically as well but not my parents were but a lot of the churches I feel like I encountered were pretty neutral like I said I I did grow up in like kind of a lower income area and we would usually go to church around around the neighborhood like around the area and Mm -hmm. a lot of the churches that's why I think I was so shocked when I went to conservative college um because like growing up what it felt like to me was a lot of the churches were just like, hey, you know, come in, hang out. Like, we know you're struggling. Like, we'll feed you. Like, we'll give you food. We'll give, like, we'll watch your kids. Like, just come hear, like, the word of Jesus and, like, hear that he, yeah. like, loves you. And and I thought that was cool. And, like, so that really was more what it was about growing up was, like, a lot about, like, service and taking care of your community. And I still, I still vibe with that. And I, you know, I kind of think I wish non-religious people were better about that, honestly. I think that non-religious people could learn a lot from more service-oriented churches in that way. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. so, so, yeah. That yeah. Is so, actually, um, that leads me to, to ask, um, what, what in your, like, you know, experience in Christianity, did you feel most aligned with? Like, um, yeah, which value, which belief, like, what made you feel, or actually maybe even a first question is, did you feel a strong belief in, in this? Um, and then what did you feel most aligned with? Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I would say until, until I was like 22, 21, 22, 23 is when I kind of started like deconstructing everything. Up until then, I was like, that was it. That was my identity. It was like being a Christian. That was like what came first. That was the most important thing to me. That was like how I organized my life, how I like interpreted the world around me was I, everything was through that lens. Um, 
I fully believed in, in, you know, one God, you know, the almighty God, the alpha omega, as, as they call him, you know, whatever. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I believe that he created the world and everything in it and in seven days. And, uh, you know, I even believe this is embarrassing, but I was very much taught, um, like about creationism and not about evolution. And I was always like, that was like, I would say that was the thing that I was like most like really indoctrinated into um, was like the earth was created in seven days. The big bang didn't happen. It was all God. Evolution didn't happen. Like the earth isn't that old. It's like 6,000 years old. And like, that's what I believe for a long time. And that's embarrassing, but we're on a podcast about how we got out of crazy stuff. And that was crazy. And I still, have that gap in like my knowledge and I still feel like a like when when I hear things like the earth is like this many million years old there's still almost like that gut reaction of like no it's not and then I have to be like oh mm-hmm. my god like <laughs> yes it is I got indoctrinated I need to let that go um mm. which is like it's you know it's embarrassing um but I have to accept that like that wasn't my fault and um I was like indoctrinated in that since I was a child um so I, right. I, don't, I don't think it's embarrassing for the record. I don't find that to be anything <laughs> to be ashamed of, but Thank I understand you. the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. I know. I, I know it's not my fault, but it's still like, I, I think now I need to make more of an effort to learn what really happened because I never really did. Um, so I, I need to like put more effort into learning like that kind of like science background of like how everything actually came to be. Cause I never really learned that. Um, and so anyway that was like I did I fully like I was in that I believed it um but that kind of stuff didn't matter to me as much as like so my the things that I related to the most were like what I was taught was that God loves everyone no matter what like no matter who you are no matter what you've done no matter what you might do like any like God loves you you like have the choice to make whether you want to be with God or not and you he will always forgive you for anything that you do and you can always come back to him. He'll always be there for you. And that really resonated with me. Um, and because like, I've always been a very empathetic person and I, you know, I grew up with people that were like struggling in a lot of ways. And I yeah. like, if I ever told them about God, it wasn't because I was trying to shame them. It was because I was like, Hey, I, I can see that you're like lonely. Like this makes me feel really taken care of. Like when I'm scared about my dad, like this is what I lean on. Like, I think it might help you. And, and some, I, you know, some of my friends, I think appreciated hearing that. And I, some of my friends like would end up coming to like youth group and stuff with me. And looking back, I wish I could be like, Hey, sorry, I dragged you into that. Like it, it, you know, <laughs> it didn't turn out to be as great as I thought. But at the time I really was like genuinely just like, I think this might help you feel better. And like, I think this might make you feel loved. Like I knew a lot of kids that like, grew up in like maybe single parent households or like households where like the parents were always working and maybe they felt a little bit neglected. And I was like, you know, there's someone out there that always loves you. And like, that's God. And like, I just want you to know that. And that I was really trying to just like help, you know, and like, that's the way that I saw it. Um, so that was what I resonated the most with, which is like, everybody is special. Everybody's loved by God. Everybody, like every life is sacred. Um, and that's kind of like the faith that I was raised with. And I feel like I'm still mourning that because it kind of got destroyed when I went to like my very conservative college. Cause it wasn't like that mm-hmm. at all. And my parents will still even say like, I'm sorry that we let you go there. Like it sounds like it ruined everything for you. And I'm like, yeah, it did. And you know, I'm sorry too. But once you see behind the curtain, it's like hard to go back. Um, but yeah. So I want to hear about that. Um, I'm curious, like, 
Um, so obviously you really like believed in your faith, like you were, you know, um, I don't know, faithful person is the right language to use. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Is that the right language? Okay. Yeah. A person of um, faith or whatever. A person of faith is what I was looking for. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and so you chose to go to a Christian college, but you didn't realize at the time that it was going to be super conservative. Right. Is that right? Right. Yeah. So, um, so what was your experience of college like? Like from well, the get-go, what was it like? Well, this is probably going to be the longest part. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which kind of makes me sad. I wish I wish I had more to say about like the part of religion that I liked. But I mean, that was kind of just it. It was just like everything revolved around love and everything was about loving your neighbor, taking care of your neighbor. And like all the other kind of like legalistic stuff like didn't matter as much when I was growing up like we were never taught to be like oh you gotta like dig into this one text and like read the Hebrew and the Greek to like figure out what it really means and it's like well that doesn't matter because like we live in a community where like people like barely have enough to eat so like nobody's gonna be doing the exegesis you know on Matthew chapter five so like they just need to know that like God loves them and he's there for them and like that's if I was ever gonna return to religion it would be because of that because it it can be a way of comforting people when they have nothing else. And like, mm-hmm. and really, really that belief that like everyone is truly equal in God's eyes. And like, you need to treat people with $10 million the same as people with nothing. And like that, and that was another belief that we were always taught, which is that like, God doesn't really fuck with rich people like that. And he like <laughs> he will always value like the poor and like the marginalized over like people who are seen as like, well off in society which is another bone i have to pick with my parents because i'm like we spent all this time learning about how god loves the poor the widows the children like all the people that are powerless in society jesus came as a baby which was like seen as like the most powerless being you could be the king trying to kill him and now you vote for people who who are in you know if you're gonna look at like the jesus story our king whatever his name was. Oh, I'm out of practice now. It was a Nebuchadnezzar. I can't remember whoever tried to kill Jesus. And it's like, that's like, that's, you know, like you guys are, you, you are doing the opposite of what I was always taught, you know? And, and that's very mm-hmm. frustrating, but anyway, mm-hmm. so that was how I was raised and it was very lovely and it definitely helped me through a lot of hard things. Um, but it also kind of helped me avoid dealing with a lot of things that I needed to. And that was kind of the flaw of like my early faith, I guess. Um, yeah. But if it had just stayed like that, I probably would still be a Christian. But um, unfortunately, I, I I wanted to go to a Christian college because it was important to me. You know, like I said, like that was like the most defining feature of who I was. Um, and and the school that I chose was very close to where I lived and it was like cheap. I got like scholarships and stuff. And, you know, it was supposed to be like an academically like rigorous school. And that was important to me. You know, I was always doing, you know, I was like an honor student and stuff. So it, it just like kind of checked all the boxes for me. And I was like, yeah, okay, dope, whatever. Like I didn't look into it that much. Um, I mean, I did, but I didn't. And like I said, I mean, politics for me in high school were very weird because my parents were super conservative, but not in the way that, like, this school that I went to was. Um, and they're still very loving. Like, people always came first to them. And in high school, like, you know, like, I, we, I lived in a lower-income community, income community. Like, we didn't 
we didn't really have like debate team like we didn't really do all that like we didn't really talk about like politics and stuff like nobody really had time for that so I, I really didn't have an understanding of like politics at that time I mean at, at the time that I graduated that was the f- no Obama got elected in 2008 the first time the second time 2012 was around the, I graduated in 2013 so like I missed that election too um but that was like when I was starting to become more politically aware and I knew at the time that like my parents didn't like Obama so I was like okay yeah I guess I don't either I don't know but then I would like talk to like my friends at school who like I had a lot of like friends of different races like black friends and they were like super excited and I was like oh maybe like this is a good thing like maybe we like I, that was like kind of my awakening of like maybe my parents are wrong like maybe this is actually like a good thing to like have this president who's like black and like has more progressive views like that actually seems like and for my parents it was never about race it was just like he's a democrat and so like we can't have that and that means he's a communist which they still think and i wish i could explain to them how true i wish that that was and it's not but <laughs> trust me we all wish that joe biden was a communist uh, but unfortunately not true at all so um that was like kind of their view of it and my, i remember my parents even saying they were like we're so happy to like well like it's so it is so cool that like we have our first black president but we just wish it was like someone that we agreed with more and i was like okay i mean you know i guess that's fair but anyway that was like my first time that i was like i don't know if i agree with you guys on this but i also don't know too much about what's going on because i can't vote yet so anyway that I, but i decided to go to the school um and they when you go there and they give you these tours you feel very like everyone's very friendly outwardly it's very welcoming it's a beautiful campus it really is um and it just seems like everything's very like clean and new and like nice it's like kind of a smaller campus and it just seems very like safe that was a big thing to me I was very nervous about college always I mean I've always had anxiety and that was when it really started to like get bad and I was like very very nervous about going away to college um and so I wanted to feel safe was like a big thing for me and I think that's why I chose like a small private conservative school because I was like I think this is something that I'll be comfortable with I think I'll be in my comfort zone I was like very worried about going to like a party school and like people partying around me and stuff because I like didn't like that and I, I didn't want to be a part of that um oh yeah yeah that makes sense yeah and that's I mean obviously I can't give you my whole life story in like an hour but I mean when I was, <laughs> you're good <laughs> we could try I'm doing my best but <laughs> when, I, when I was in high school I mean I I I was very an intense Christian, but I, I, I think if you had known me, you maybe not wouldn't have guessed that. I've always been kind of like a goofy person. You know, I was like voted class clown in high school and stuff. Oh, my God. If any of my friends hear this, they're going to laugh. They're going to roll their eyes. It's like my favorite thing to say. Um, but I was voted class clown. So, um, but I was like pretty generally like friends with like all, all kinds of people. I was like in band and like I, I would get invited to like parties and stuff. I just like truly didn't like it. Like I didn't. I, I never liked drinking. I still don't. Um, so like that just wasn't like. That wasn't my scene and I was just always again I had anxiety and I, I had very intense anxiety about like getting caught drinking underage and like that would be like really terrible and I mean there was a kid that went to my high school that like uh, something very bad happened and uh, after a party and he ended up like losing all his scholarships and stuff like that and I was like you know I don't really think I like fuck with this like I- I'm not trying to you know ruin my future just for like a night of like being stupid as a high schooler um so I was never into partying and also just like I mean I don't know why I was so cognizant of this in high school but I think I just realized that like unfortunately young people drinking together that's how a lot of like sexual assault happens and stuff like that and I and I heard about it I heard about it from my friends I heard about 
you know, people that it happened to. And I never blamed anyone, but I was like, I just don't want to be in that situation. Like, I don't want to be around that. Um, so that always like kind of freaked me out. And anyway, so I just wanted to feel safe. Um, and I, I think that's part of why I chose a more conservative school. Cause I was like, well, nobody's going to be partying here. I was wrong. People did get into some wild stuff, but it was less than I think, mm-hmm. um, like a state school would be. And that is one thing I'll say is that it was a safe place physically. Um, like nothing really happened there ever. And if you didn't want to party, you certainly didn't have to be around it, which was nice. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a Christian place. And I was like, okay, you know, like, I know what that's about. I think I feel safe here. Um, and so yeah, that's, I got accepted and I only applied to like a couple places. I think I was just like burnt out by the end of my senior year of high school. And I was like, whatever, let's keep this train mm-hmm. moving. And I didn't really even know, like, I mean, I never knew what I wanted to like do career wise. Um, mm-hmm. I think we talked about that a little bit before. Like I never had like a goal in mind. So I was like, well, any place is as good as any, you know, like there wasn't like a certain program that I wanted to go to. Um, so yeah, that was why I picked it. So, okay, that's how you got there. That's how you made the decision to to go to this school. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was your experience like once you got there? Like, what was the campus climate like? What were the people like? What sort of things, like, did you learn? Like, what did you study? Everything. Hit me with everything. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, so I was an English major. Um, first of all, that was my, my field of choice. Um, I will say the English department was pretty cool, and I learned a lot. Um, they are generally, like, well, not liberal, but less conservative than a lot of the other departments um we kind of got away with a lot um which was fun and cool but um yeah so I got very lucky and I mean part of the reasons that I stayed there and and um didn't completely lose my mind was because I did end up finding very good roommates for my freshman year who I'm still friends with um one of them is is getting married and I was invited to her wedding um and the other one is like still like my best friend um thankfully and so they really carried me through like the first year we like had these facebook groups where you could um like meet other like freshmen and be like hey you want to be my roommate and stuff like that um so we like met on there and my my best friend um was from like a similar community to me um and like a similar upbringing like not a lot of money like her mom has like health issues and we did, we just kind of like bonded over that. And she was never raised like, she's so funny. She was like kind of raised Catholic, but it just never really was like an important factor in her life. I think a lot of people like that are like that. Um, but she was like, yeah, I'm here to play softball. So, I mean, you know, the Bible's cool, I guess, but like, that's not really why I'm here. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, I love that for you. Um, and my other friend is kind of similar. And so we kind of, it was weird because like, it was like us three who were like, okay, you know, like we like God, but you know, we're, we're trying to like chill, like have some fun. And it was like us three in a room. And then like everyone else was, was very, very different. And, and I definitely found that out quickly. Um, and like the first night we had this like dance in the, um, gym and <laughs> they were playing, they were playing the WAP which is, you know, like a hip hop dance song that I would dance to in high school. And so I started doing the WAP, which is a dance. And one of the RAs came up to me and she was like, we don't dance like that here. And I was like, what? (laughs) Don't play the WAP. Like, (laughs) 
if I'm not allowed to throw this shit back, then don't play it. So oh I was like, oh man, maybe I maybe I got into something I shouldn't have gotten into. That was I, that was like my first moment of like, this place might be whack. <laughs> so upset. And I remember, well, and so there was that. And I remember like when I toured, first of all, I met my roommates and I like, I don't know. I can't remember what I was wearing. It's something like very casual and and i was like sorry i look like a scrub and they were like what you look like a what and i was like i look like a scrub like i'm not dressed nice and they were like i okay and i remember like i would i would like talk to people on the campus and they would like not know what i was saying half the time i just like (laughs) i don't know how to explain it like my hometown was very small and we had like our own slang and and i listened to rap music and all this stuff and Mm -hmm. they had never met anyone like that and they just like didn't know what i was talking about half the time and i was like man and also it was very like i like it was kind of like a class issue of like I was poor like I mean we didn't have a lot of money and I would just like wear sweatpants because like that's what college kids do and that's what I would do in high school and like people were very weird about it and and like would mm-hmm. almost like look through me and like openly judge me for like not dressing up for class um oh wow yeah and people at that school would like I mean some there was a couple people that would like literally wear suits to class every day that wasn't the norm but like yeah but yeah and it was like people would like dress up like business casual good for them i guess okay (laughs) i guess i don't know i don't know and but it was all very like very like appearances does that make sense yeah and so yeah no that makes sense and they made it into like and here's the thing about that place is like everything becomes a moral issue and so like it was like well we're dressing up for class because it's respectful and it's like respectful Mm. to you for me to be dressed up and it's respectful to god so like if you're showing up and you're like not dressed up and you're not ready to go like that's disrespectful and i was like i'm Mm -hmm. poor like i don't think you understand like i don't have all these clothes like and i can't buy them i have no dollars do you understand what that means i have none I have no dollars, so mm-hmm. I can't buy new clothes. And nobody seemed to know what I was talking about, or nor did they believe me that I had truly no dollars, um, mm-hmm. and that my parents didn't either. So there was no, you know, and I and I went to school, and like my parents went bankrupt right before I went, so all my loans are in my name, and they couldn't co-sign, and I have like the highest interest rate, and that was like very oh, wow. much unheard of. Like a lot of people wow. there like paid for it out of pocket, and I was like, wow. What? Yeah, and I remember my roommates didn't like. We all had to go. You had to go to this like debt seminar thing if you like took out loans, and they would like basically explain to you that you like took out loans, and you had to like be careful about it. And I remember us all like on our freshman hall being like, "All right, like you know who has to go to like the debt seminar? Like let's go." And everybody was like, "Oh, we don't have to go." And we were like, "Oh," <laughs> and we were like, "So you uh, have no loans? Like none?" And they were wow. like, "Yeah, no, like we didn't have to take them out." And we were like, "What?" Like I just had never. I'd never even considered that as a possibility that was, that had never occurred to me. And, um, yeah. So class became an issue very quickly. And that surprised me because like I said, the Christian communities I had been to before was very like, I just wasn't used to that. I was like, all kinds of people go to church. Uh, A lot of the times it's, it's people who are struggling because they feel like they need God and they need Jesus. But uh, yeah, it wasn't about that. It was very like, it's basically just like what you imagine. It was like people who were raised in like gated communities in like the suburbs went to like the same church all their lives like very close-knit closed communities all white people all straight people dad Mm -hmm. works mom stays home like that was it that was like the only experience that was like heard of or even acceptable and obviously I had a very different experience and and I'm white and I can't imagine 
I'm white and I'm cis. I mean, I am queer. I I, I didn't know it at the time, but people mm-hmm. certainly knew it about me before I knew it. <laughs> and, and that was hard enough. I can't imagine being anything else, you know, like I already felt like I stuck out like a sore thumb. I couldn't imagine not being white there. And I talked to some of my friends there who weren't white and they said it was very difficult and very, which is so ironic because when you're a Christian, you're supposed to like, everybody is God's children. It's supposed to be like, you know, we accept everyone and love everyone, but yeah, it was certainly not like that. Um, so that I I feel like class was the first thing that I noticed and I was like, Oh, I'm not on these people's level. I would say the second thing I noticed was, the the genders were very separated and the boys were very weird about it and it was just like how so so even physically like the girls dorms were on one side and the boys dorms were on the other side and you your key cards like wouldn't scan you into like like i couldn't get into like a boys dorm and they couldn't get into ours um and yeah so you weren't allowed in except for we had intervisitation is what we called it now this just gave it away if nobody knew what school i was talking about now they know but that's fine um but I can edit that out <laughs> no it's fine you know what <laughs> okay. they, i'm sh- i'm considering saying what the school is because they need to be called out but anyway i'll get into that later maybe but okay. um yeah, yeah. but so yeah we had interviews a couple times a week and that was like a couple hours where like you could have someone of the opposite gender into your dorm but you had to sign them in and they had to show their id and like all this stuff and you had to keep a door open and you had to have a shoe in the door you couldn't close the door the whole way lights had to be on like that was like how you could interact with the other gender and (laughs) so i was like okay i guess like and it was weird to me because like i had very close male friends in high school so i was like okay like i'm ready to make new friends of like all kinds but very quickly i was like I don't know if I'm allowed. I don't know. I don't know if I'm allowed to be friends with these boys. Oh, wow. I mean, like, but at the same time, we they wanted us to, like, we had, like, brother and sister halls. I think a lot of, like, well, maybe not. I, I, maybe other colleges do that. I don't know. But. What does that mean? Brother and sister halls? Um, oh, you mean, like, you have, like, brother halls, like, how people, like, there's, like, sister cities or something. Yes. Like, you know so, I mean? like, okay. our freshman hall would like do activities with like a, a boy freshman hall in like another building um yeah and so they would do that because like they did want us to meet but it was very much it was just a mating ceremony basically it was, oh like, my gosh yes, wow yes and they mm-hmm. like made us do like square dancing and stuff like <laughs> now that oh I say this out loud it sounds insane it's giving me anxiety <laughs> doesn't it oh girl well imagine living no. it because it was oh painful and like immediately it was like I remember we like did our first thing with like the boy groups and then we came back and like the girls were like oh I like this one and I like this one and I think he talked to me like this and I was like what like we like played first be on the quad like how did you get all this from this one interaction and was that what I was supposed to be doing because I was just hanging out anyway I was like but I could tell that they had all been like socialized to be like we're coming here to find a husband and so oh my gosh wow yeah that was their mission again not blaming them because that's how they were socialized but I was very like what like I don't know that I was just like, this is so wild. And immediately I realized that like the boys wanted nothing to do with me because I was too big and I was too loud, too masculine. I, I like I said, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure people could smell the queer on me. I didn't know it myself, <laughs> but they certainly did. And they were like that. Nope. Get her out of here. <laughs> we, I'm not fucking with that. Um, and I just like, yeah, they were not for it um, at all. And so I was just like, it was like, I wasn't there. Like when the boys were around, like, I just truly didn't exist to them. Um, and that hurt. Wow. That did hurt. Even though I knew that they were whack, I was like, damn, like, I don't exist, so I'm going to take a sip of water. Oh. Yeah. 
because I'm in my bedroom yelling, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) me too, don't worry. (laughs) But yeah, so that, I mean, that hurt. And I still struggle with that because I was like that feeling of being like, whoa, like they took one look at me and they were like, nope, like that was pretty painful. And something I had never experienced before because, like, you cannot see me, but I'm a full-figured woman. And when I was in high school, that was something very valued. And I I don't want to get into this too much. It can be a little controversial, but I was raised around a lot of non-white people. And I've definitely noticed in, like, those kinds of spaces, my body is more valued than in spaces where it's just white people. And, I mean, that can be a whole conversation. But that was the first time that I noticed that like my body was like very othered with these people. And Mm -hmm. I've talked to my friends about this who went there as well. And like, it was pretty normalized to like have an eating disorder there. If you were a woman, like, yeah, I would say most people struggled with disordered eating. It was the expectation that you would be thin if you were a woman, because that's what women were supposed to be. Um, Like you're supposed to be small and like not take up too much space and not be too loud, like physically and like emotionally and you had to represent that like meekness and like your figure and like and it was also like about like just abstinence from like all things that give you pleasure so that includes like alcohol sex and food so like you had to kind of like if if you ate too much you were seen as like gluttonous and so like me Mm -hmm. being bigger like that was almost seen as like a sin because like I was abusing my body by like eating too much or like whatever even though I mean I ate like the same as everyone else but anyway that's a whole nother topic but um Mm -hmm. so that wasn't cute and that definitely gave me issues that I still have to this day but I was often one of the biggest people in the room and also okay I'm like a dress size 18 that's how big I am so I would say I mean like I'm, I'm bigger but in, in most spaces I'm, I'm I'm pretty average but in that place I was like much bigger than most people yeah. if that kind of like <laughs> yeah. gives an indication of like how small everybody was um and I just felt like I literally felt like the elephant in the room sometimes I was like damn this is crazy um yeah, so that was another super thing. alienating yes very much so and again I'm white and I'm cis like can you imagine right. being anything else I, I was no. other just yeah. for that you know and so that was crazy um I'm gonna take another sip but um yeah sorry um then I would say the next thing I noticed was the homophobia um that came up pretty quickly and that was definitely like the most shocking and hurtful thing to me again I didn't know I was queer at the time but I had always had friends who were queer Um, my, my cousin came out when he was like, when I was 14 and that was like my first experience with like someone coming out like close to me. And ever since then I have been like very much an ally, like very much like, I don't want to hear about homophobia. And even though I, I I mean, and that was something that like I struggled with, like with my parents because they are pretty homophobic still. Um, not in a mean way, but they're just like, well, we believe it's a sin. So like, you know, we, we can't like support it but they were still always like very loving to like my cousins that came out um so that's kind of like how I was raised to understand it which is like okay it's like a sin but we're never going to disrespect someone for it we're always going to show love to everyone and like I could live with that at the time but then I got to Grove City and like I just heard people openly be like oh my god that dude is so gay like that's disgusting and I was like what like (laughs) that's when I was like whoa like y'all have to chill with that like that is not acceptable to me and I did speak up about it. Like, I remember being like, mm-hmm. no, you cannot say that. And everybody was like, what do you mean? And, like, that was the first time that I was, like, literally had the feeling of, like, my voice being, like, drowned out. Like, it didn't even matter. Like, I could have screamed at them and it wouldn't matter because, like, oh. I was the only one. I was the only one that cared. I was the only one that was going to say something. And I remember 
that year, my freshman year was like when the Winter Olympics were. That was like 20, um, like 13 to 14. And I remember I was like watching figure skating because I love it. And I, and I remember I was watching it with some of the girls on my hall. And they were like making very homophobic comments about like the male figure skaters. And they were just like, oh, my God, that's like so disgusting. I can't believe they act like that. And I, I like got oh, into wow. a fight with them about it. And I remember my RA being like, hey, like I heard you guys like had a fight about this. Like what happened? And I like told her and I was like, I just can't accept that. Like, that's crazy to me. And she was like, well, do you think you're maybe like a little too hard on them? And I was like girl like no I don't think so like they can't say that but like I was the one that was wrong you know what I mean like wow yeah and that kind of set the tone for like everything else like so was that like still freshman year yes all this happened yes all this wow (laughs) we didn't even get into it baby we didn't even get into it This is all like first half of freshman year. <laughs> like, oh my gosh! Wow, what a culture shock for real. Oh, it was it it, it was a culture shock. That is the exact word to describe it. Mm-hmm. I was completely shocked. I and I and it was like, and I would say the first year or two is when I started to question myself. And I was like, mm. well, all these people are really smart. They went to really good schools. Their families are very successful. Like, uh, you know, people talk about their, like, SAT scores. And I was like, I thought I did good, but these people did even better. Like, they seem really smart. If they say this is what being a Christian is, then is that what it really is? Am I, like, not a Christian? Like, do I have to be this? And I really struggled with that. And that's when it really started to break apart because I was like, I don't know if I can do that. I was like, I don't know. I I can't make myself be homophobic like I can't make myself be sexist I can't I can't do those things and if that's Mm -hmm. what being a Christian is then I guess I'm not and that was like I remember like thinking that to myself and that was when I was like whoo I don't know like and I wanted to of course I wanted to hold on to it and and I, I started looking for like other people I was like I can't be the only person that feels this way and so I started like looking online at like more progressive Christian communities and stuff like that. And that definitely helped for a while. I would say it kind of felt like a band-aid of like, okay, like I can still be a Christian and like believe certain things if I want to. Um, but I guess it kind of feels like being at that school and knowing like the political power that that school holds and like our our president we got a new president my sophomore junior year um and he used to be the attorney the the deputy attorney general and like there were other people who were like politically involved at school and like they supported the um oh what's it called the cock foundation like openly supported them like we had a think tank at that school um like for conservatism like who supported like the cock foundation and i was Mm -hmm. like you know what i don't know these people are it like they are the center of this movement of this religion of this political movement i think this is what being a christian really is and i don't think i want to do it anymore and wow yeah and that was hard obviously um (laughs) and yeah it's hard because it's not like it all fell apart at once um right and i still wanted to you know it's funny i was actually just at work today and one of my um managers on to grove city and i think he forgot because now i i very much know seem like oh i said the word whatever i went to grove city it's in western pennsylvania whatever they're terrible this is about them fuck you guys but <laughs> i go fuck you to grove city college anyway this is not about my manager he's a nice man but um 
he was like oh I like forgot that you went there and I was like yeah and we like talked about it and I think people are surprised when I say all the things that I did when I was there like I was in a sorority I was an RA I worked on the college newspaper I worked on campus like different jobs I worked in the writing center I worked in the president's office I got straight A's like I did it all because I wanted to fit in so bad and I wanted to show (laughs) that like I could be this I could be liberal I could be fat I could be a bitch whatever how they saw me and still do all the things that they did in fact do it better and I was like you Mm -hmm. don't have to like this isn't uh, this isn't hard baby like I I don't know I just want to I had it very much a chip on my shoulder because people would look down on me for like going to like not a good school like not a good high school or whatever like and I was like we're not doing that because I'll blow the socks off y'all um I did and so but I wanted to be involved I wanted to like it and I mean the like I said, one of the people, like my freshman roommate is like still my best friend, you know? And like, there are other mm-hmm. people that I'm so close with from there. And I I really liked being in my sorority and I liked being an RA and I liked certain things that I did. I just wanted it to be better. Like I wanted it to be what I thought it was. I wanted it to be a place where you could go and, and be safe and have a good education and like have it be this like transitional place from like high school to real life like a safe place where you can experience all those things in a loving environment and that's what I wanted it to be and what I still wish it was I think that's why it hurt so bad because it it was the opposite (laughs) totally yeah so that just sounds um so stressful and like I don't know like earth shattering in terms of yeah um I'm curious, like, how, what were the beliefs like? Because if you were there and you you had that, like, you had the faith, um, were you still practicing religion on campus? And like, what was it? How was that different? Was it? Yeah, that's a good question. So, right off the bat, I would say I knew that something was up pretty early. Like I said, um, and <laughs> so weird. I'm trying to think, like. I would say my first like freshman and sophomore year, I still very much consider myself a Christian, but I wanted to be different from everyone there. And I yeah. wanted to like maybe show like people who who weren't Christians, maybe people that I knew from like other areas of my life, whether that'd be like my extended family or like friends from home. I wanted to be like, you can be a Christian and like not have to be like these people. And mm-hmm. I think that was the first time in my life when I when I went to Grove City was when I understood why people would say like, well, I don't like Christianity and I don't like religion because I find it very hypocritical. And and because growing up, I had never really found it to be that because, I mean, yeah. no community is perfect, but I had always been in spaces where like everyone truly was welcome and like it was about service. It was about like actually caring about people and that kind of thing so I was like I don't know I've never experienced that like I think maybe you should like give it a chance and then like I went to Grove City and I was like oh these are the people that you were talking about okay I'm sorry yes these people are wild and (laughs) so I think (laughs) I wanted to be like okay yeah like they're wild but I'm not that and I think that everyone maybe this would be a running theme on like your podcast I feel like that's that's a universal experience of like leaving a very um like specific culture of maybe like exploring that space of like okay I'm still this but I'm not like them you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and and that's like very much where I was at um for a while 
Yeah. So I, I still identified as a Christian. I still prayed a lot. I, I read my Bible. Um, I was never, I was never very good about reading it regularly. Oh my God. So much guilt about that. You're supposed to read it every day and do your devotion. Ugh, I was never good at that. <laughs> um, but you know, I did, I did do it from time to time and, but I never went to church. Um, Mostly because I hate getting up in the morning, but also I was, I, I never found one that I, that I liked because, and later I think I realized that I was like, oh, this is like a very conservative area of the world. Um, Grove City is in like Northwestern Pennsylvania, uh, very rural. Um, during the 2016 election, it was all Trump signs, baby, everywhere. And so like just that wow. place of the world is right. is very conservative. And so like, I never found the the church that I would like felt comfortable in or like, like I did try a couple, um, it, but also I didn't have a car. So I'd like have to hitch a ride mm-hmm. to people. And I was like, this is too much. Like I'm already at a Christian college. It's basically church all the time. You know, like I don't, I don't need to do that. <laughs> and so yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah, whatever. Like, so I, I stopped going to church. Um, but it really did feel like church all the time. I, it was like no different. Um, why? Um, like- a good question. I should explain that. Um, <laughs> because, <laughs> Because it really, like, everything that we did was was through the lens of our religion. Like, a lot of the times we would pray before class. I had a lot of professors that would, like, pray at the beginning of class or, like, read a scripture before class. Um, a lot, Most professors would pray before an exam, um, which is actually kind of nice. I thought that was kind of sweet. Um, mm-hmm. And, we st- like, what we studied was usually, like, somehow about God or religion. We actually had to take um, your freshman year, you have to take a Bible class. Um, what did we call it? Oh, biblical revelation. You take biblical revelation um, about like the Bible. I just, every, it was all about it. Like we were supposed to live yeah. in this lifestyle. It was everywhere. It was, it was everything everywhere all the time um, was about God or Christianity. You're always learning about it. You're always talking about it. You're always praying. You're always doing this and that. And so it truly was like being in a church all of the time, which is very hard. I don't know if anyone's ever tried to be in a church all the time, but it turns out you can't be in church mode all the time because sometimes you're not perfect. And, um, but that wasn't really allowed there. You, you were supposed to be perfect all the time and somebody was always watching. Um, and that was, that was hard. And so, yeah, I mean, that was a big problem. And, and, and even people that enjoyed the college will admit that there's a big problem with perfectionism and appearances and it's kind of like this open secret that most students at Grove City, <laughs> his mental health is very bad. And because wow. it's like there is so much pressure all of the time. Like you have to have perfect grades, but on top of that, you also have to be a perfect person. And you have to wake up and look nice every day and be nice to everyone and like do your service and do your devotions and like da-da-da-da-da-da. And wow. I think that's why I, I did so much because I was trying to prove like I'm still a good person. I might not like believe what you believe. I might like gay people, but I'm still like I, I'm still a good person. You know, I think I was like subconsciously like trying to prove that. Um, anyway, that makes sense. I like lost my train of thought, but so that was why I felt like being in church all the time. If that kind of helps explain yeah. it. Um, yeah. And we did have to go to we had to do 16 chapel credits a semester, so. I just realized that sentence made no sense. Anyway, so there's a cha- there's a chapel <laughs> on the campus, and every Tuesday and Thursday morning, um, between nine was it nine thirty and nine fifty before the ten a.m. class, um, they would have chapel speakers come in and then talk about different things. <clears throat> it was basically like a very short sermon, um, and you'd have to go to at least sixteen of those a semester, um, and so that was kind of like church. I don't know. I was like, this is all church. 
Um, but sometimes it was wild. There was one I went to that was like anti-abortion. Baby, it was 9.30 and they had pictures of like aborted fetuses on the screen. And I was like, you guys have got to be fucking crazy. That's, <laughs> I, that was ridiculous. I, I I stayed. I think I just like covered my eyes the whole time. I, sh- I wish I would have walked up out of there, but I did wow. need the credit. Um, <laughs> yes, it was crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. I was always pushing those chapel credits. Everybody made fun of me because I, I was really bad at getting up. Well, <laughs> I mean, but my mental health was crumbling. And plus, I had yeah. like a thyroid disorder that wasn't diagnosed at the time. Oh, so wow. I was exhausted um yeah yeah, yeah. so th- i was that d- that's exhausting <sighs> it was i was very yeah. bad at getting those chapel credits um so <laughs> yeah. did have to say for that abortion one unfortunately but that was scarring i'll tell you that much um yeah so that's the thing it's like it was just wild all the time like you think you're gonna go to this 9 30 chapel and hear somebody sing a song no you're gonna hear about how abortion is a sin and if you kill this baby you're going to hell and they're gonna show you a picture of it it was just like that all the fucking time like just like an assault of the senses fucking every second of the day how did that make you feel like what was that like taking taking that all in you know it was a shock and it was exhausting Mm -hmm. it was a shock and it was exhausting um yeah I mean I think that's why I was so tired because I could not physically process it all um I feel like my body was in shock. My anxiety uh, just skyrocketed. Um, yeah. I had my first panic attacks my junior year. Um, wow. Yeah. And um, I thought about, <sighs> well, not to, you might have to put a trigger warning on this. I was never actively suicidal, but, well, I have been since then. But um, because of everything that happened, well, I was actually processing. At the time, I would not say I was actively suicidal, but I thought about dying a lot. And I and I thought about like, oh, what if I like got really sick? Like that would be kind of cool, and I could just kind of like like fade out, and, and nobody could be mad at me. Um, and I just like I, I wanted to desperately to just like be anywhere but there. Yeah. But I felt trapped. And like people have asked me like, why didn't you transfer? And I don't have a good answer. Mm-hmm. I don't have a good answer. I think I felt like that would be giving up. Mm-hmm. I think I wanted to show everyone, like, no, I can do it, too. Like, don't play me. Like, I can sit here and and I can get the grades and I can do it all. So, like, don't think that – don't think that I don't disagree. Because the thing that they do there, like, their first line of offense with those kind of people is, like, oh, well, like, you're just not understanding. Like, if you're, like – like, if they say something homophobic and you're, like, that's homophobic, they're always, like, no, like, you're just not interpreting it correctly. Like, here's what we really said. And I wanted to be, like – no like I got straight A's here I think I know what the fuck you're talking about okay so don't play right. that game with me and I, and I did and I yeah. do and that is something that I will say to this day like don't talk down to me don't say that I didn't understand what was happening because baby I was very aware and I was very involved and I know exactly what you meant and what you were talking about and so I wish yeah. I, I wish I would have got out I wish I wouldn't have put myself through that um it mm. wasn't worth it looking back and I my freshman year roommate not the one that one of my freshman year roommates transferred um she ended up going to like a state school nearby and you know what Mm -hmm. she's doing a lot better than me (laughs) (laughs) she's an OT doctor now you know she's out here yeah she's out she went to California she's doing great and I'm just like 
Woo! I made Ouch. a mistake. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm like yelling into this microphone. I hope it's not. No, so yell away. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Don't worry about so it. Sorry. <laughs> Rip headphones users. Um, but yeah. So I, I definitely wish I would have got out, but it just felt like it just felt like I had to stay. And like I also was very involved. Like I, I did a lot of things. Yeah. And the hard thing is like I did love my friends there. Like I, I was in a sorority and I really loved them. Mm-hmm. And they were really important to me. And I didn't want to leave those people. Like those people that I did connect with, I didn't want to leave. And I, I got really close to my RD. Um, and I and just like I, I really loved everyone there. Like that I was close to. So that was hard. I, I really didn't want to leave them. Also, my best friend, yeah. Sid, shout out if you're listening. She was like, if you leave, I will kill you. <laughs> she was like, don't <laughs> leave me here with them. And I was like, okay, girl, I got you. Um, yeah. And we definitely would not have. And that's the thing. I was actually just talking to her and like reminiscing about like, oh, like I miss those days where like we would sit in our dorm and like lock the door and act like we were studying, but we were just watching vines. And like there was some like, oh my God, <laughs> RIP vine. RIP vine. <laughs> Truly the only thing that held me together through that school. When Vine went away, that's when my mental health tanked. But no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> for real. Um, but yeah, I was like, so there was some like, looking back, it's not like, like I had some very sweet moments. I had some moments yeah. that like mean a lot to me. Um, totally. And that's kind of the hard part is like, and and I'm sure that's probably, again, like a running theme you might hear of like, you can be in this culture, in this thing that's so toxic, that's so heinous, but part of the reason you stay around for so long is like it's not all bad you know totally like I had my friends that I loved and I and I wanted to be a Christian and it was a beautiful campus and my parents were so happy for me and I knew it was a good education which it really was unfortunately painful for me to admit but it really was a good education and I think it's why I have like a good job now and so I stayed and was it worth it no but I can't do anything about it now Right. um, Right. What was it like once you graduated and left? So good question. Um, Towards the end of my time there, I was very much starting to realize like, Oh, this has done some permanent damage. And <laughs> I um mm-hmm. I started going to therapy, thank God. I started going to therapy my last semester there. Um on campus, but thankfully the therapist that I saw was like an intern from somewhere else, which was like great because I <laughs> she wasn't like in the culture, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um so yeah, I would yeah, tell totally. her things and she would be like, Wait, really? She'd be like, Really they do that there? And I was like, Yes, girl, like you need to tell somebody. But um <laughs> but oh yeah. God. And so, but oh my God, thank God I started going to therapy. I don't know what would have happened. Um, shout out to my friend Vic if she's listening. Like she was one that got me into therapy, saved my life. Like, I don't know what would have awesome. happened. Yeah. But um, so I started going to therapy. I started unpacking a little bit. And I had this feeling of like, oh, man, like, this is going to hurt later. (laughs) But I I still had Mm. to like finish, you know, and I wanted to finish strong and I wanted to get my straight A's, which I didn't. I got one B, but whatever. I mean, I know. Isn't it? That hurts. It does hurt. It does hurt. I know. I know. I know. It does hurt. I'm an Enneagram 3, if anybody's familiar. So that that one hurt, baby. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That hurt. Yeah. So, but, you know, I did do do well and I was happy with that. Um. 
but but what happened here's the tea my my last semester they announced that <laughs> what a what a relevant night to talk about this um please I'll, I'll let you guess i'm gonna give you one guess who do you think was our commencement speaker for my graduation uh uh mike pence yes it was mike pence oh my god literally yes how did you guess oh my god so i guess well, i gave because, it away because I said- yeah you said tonight i was like okay well it's the vice presidential debate tonight so yes wow. yes 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 wait and he was the vice president at the time yes no. he was that was 2017 oh. <gasps> whoa he had okay. just become wow. it yes oh yes baby so i went to the 2016 election there that was insane um like wow yeah oh my god i think i should talk about that, that real context. quick because this is like sure. this is tea um so like <laughs> <laughs> they the thing about grove city is they very much want to be like oh well we're like the thinking man's like conservative christian college like we're not like liberty like we're not like messiah like we think here we do like real like deep thinking but um but no it's very much a front for like the Republican machine. And I mean, really, I, I do think it used to be different. I think it did used to be more like that. But like I said, we got this new president um, like during my sophomore year, I think. And like I said, he was deputy attorney general and he happens to be best friends with Mike Pence, Michael Pencil. And um, so that's why he had come there. So it's all just kind of a game um, yeah. to make the school like this, this fortitude of, of, republicanism of the republican political machine of the religious right and um my inviting mike pence there definitely like got it on the map if you've heard about grove city before it was probably because of that really um and so so they announced that and i was kind of like this is the final straw. <laughs> i was like yeah. they gotta be fucking kidding me with this one and at that point my senior year i had finally found the queer people we had to very like hide like you i only knew two people who were out at grove city um and i i won't get into it because that's their story but they were treated very poorly um Mm. and that was like it and so i finally found them um we and they weren't allowed like the gay people on campus are not allowed to make their own um organization they're not allowed to formally meet together we had to do it in secret um but they're allowed to invite matt walsh to debate whether or not gay people should exist but don't worry they love freedom of speech there so yeah oh yeah that was what recently happened that kind of got me thinking about everything so um oh my god this is such a fucking mess this is like (laughs) so i finally found the gays and um you know then they said mike pence was coming and we were all like you literally have to be kidding me like it's literally just like one last like middle finger to us like and we're gonna ruin your graduation too and uh, me and my friend jason jason shout out if you're listening um we <laughs> listen to me shout out all my friends no one's gonna say but anyway <laughs> shout out jason he was like he was like we need to say something he was like do you want to go speak to president mcnulty about this and i was like yes like yes like i because in my mind i was so naive i was like maybe he just like doesn't understand maybe he doesn't understand like why this is so hurtful to us and so me and Jason and two alumni went to go speak to President Nalti and we sat down with him and we were like, so inviting Mike Pence here, like, is very much a slap in the face. Like, I don't know if you know, but like, there are queer students on this campus. Like, Jason is one of them. He was one of the ones that was out. And like, mm-hmm. like, we exit, well, I thought I was just an alley at the time. Very naive of me. But I was like, we're, you know, we're here. Like, this hurts. Like, Mike Pence is like openly supported, like, 
conversion therapy, like including electroshock therapy, like this is like very oh, not good for that. us. Yeah. That's that's the my electroshock part. Oh yeah, Whoa. baby. I mean, he denies it now, but he was the governor of Indiana and that is what happened there. Um yeah, and so we were like like baby like no like this hurts and he just like dead ass looked us in the face and was like i i don't get it like i don't know why you're upset and that's when i was like oh like they don't give a fuck (laughs) they don't give a fuck like they have blood on their hands here and they don't care and it's about it's about the politics it's about how it looks it's about the optics um so that happened and i will say i'm very ashamed i'm very ashamed but there's a picture of me on the internet because i took pictures i was a broken shell of a human at this point what they had told us what they had told us was they got us all in a room they had to give us a big speech because they were like the vice president's coming and they were like don't look at him don't try to touch him don't even breathe in his direction there's gonna be secret service everywhere like do not try to interact with him he's gonna talk and then he's gonna leave and we were like okay great i was like better for me the sooner he gets out of here the better so the day of graduation we all had to go through security everybody had to go through security and i hadn't slept i was a mess i was so nervous that my parents weren't gonna make it in time because they're always late anyway i was just like a huge mess i was hungover and i fell walking down the aisle because i had these stupid heels on so i was just like such a mess and there were were literally snipers everywhere like they had snipers in the windows snipers on the roofs like yes yes It was literally <laughs> insane. And I literally, and I was so tired and I hadn't slept. I was like, am I dreaming this? Like, is this a nightmare? Is this real? <laughs> and so we, so we, we sit down, we do our graduation thing. Pence gives a speech, whatever. And then, but then he doesn't get back on his helicopter. He stands up. And as they start announcing everyone, he shakes everyone's hand as they go across the stage. And I was like, whoa, this is not part of the plan. I don't want to touch this guy. But and now we're in front of everyone. Oh my god! And I was just like, uh, and I just froze. And I so okay. I will admit it. My greatest sin of all time on this podcast. I have shaken Mike Pence's hand. Okay, I'm very oh sorry. God. I'm very sorry. It's my greatest shame. It's my greatest sin. But I was a shell of a human, and they surprised me. And all I could think about was if I trip on the stage, it's gonna look like I'm attacking him, and they're gonna shoot me. So I just have to oh shake his hand. God and get off the stage and that is what i did i'm so sorry but i will tell you i think he's a robot it was so cold and it was so lifeless and so anyway that's my story about meeting michael pencil mike the electric fence pence who is currently dating kamala debating kamala harris tonight (laughs) dating dating but uh you know he has that policy he can't be in a room alone with a woman but anyway So that's kind of like, I feel like I have to tell that story because that's like the culmination of everything, you know? And that's just like, I'm so sorry, everyone. I shook his hand. I'm sorry. They got me. They broke me down. But I did kind of want to know what it felt like. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. And it feels like a robot. And so if you ever wanted to know, I think he is a robot. Anyway. Anyway. So that was that. That's crazy. (laughs) I'm glad you just shared that. That's bananas. Mm. What a story. Mm-mm-mm. oh my god yep okay so well so getting back so, i think where were we yeah I you want we to know what happened about... after and yes so and i you feel said like you were in right. therapy yes. yes yes so i went to therapy my last semester i graduated um i'm trying to think of what happened so that was 2017 i i feel like things that year after i graduated was pretty much just like 
I was very relieved. I was relieved to be gone. Um, and I, and I was, but I was very worried still. I was very anxious just cause like I, I didn't graduate having a job. Um, and that very much felt like a person of failure to me looking back. Oh, that's like so normal, obviously. Like it's, it's so normal to take time to find a job after you graduate college. Um, yeah. And so, but some people did have jobs. Again, it's like a class thing. Like if your dad works for like this firm, you know, you're going to be able to work there. But I didn't have that. My mom was a music teacher. So, you know, that didn't really pan out for me. And I graduated with an English degree and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So, um, so I worked, I, I don't know, I worked some like odd jobs that summer. I, it was pretty much fine. Um, I lived with my parents that year. Um, and then I did end up getting like a, a real job like an office job that fall um and so that was like I was I was happy about that the first year was pretty uneventful I'll say like I think I I, I some things happened like I experienced some very low points that I think I should have been like hey um I, I might need to get back into therapy but I but I didn't listen to those and I was just like oh that was weird anyway um and so I worked my job, you know, I felt cute. I had some money. I saw my friends. Like I was just like having a good old time. And then um my parents moved the summer of twenty eighteen. So they left me in like the apartment we grew up in and they moved out um somewhere else. Like my mom found a place, whatever. And um so I was I was living by myself and I was happy. I was happy about it. Um but that was finally when like I started to like have the space to process everything um yeah I, I think that's very much like a common experience of people who've been through something traumatic it doesn't always like come up until you actually have like the space to process totally. it um and like I've still been living with my parents and obviously they're still like in the faith and like part of that like conservative culture so it was hard for me to like really think about it critically until like I wasn't around them every day um and it was like when they left it was it was pretty it was pretty abrupt. I it, it like happened pretty fast that I was like, whoa, 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 uh, whoa, and I and I was just like, I don't even know how to explain it. I was just like, man, something has occurred, and I and I just like started to go go downhill. Um, and then that that fall, I remember like November is the first time that I was like man um man I'm like not not doing good and I was like do I have like seasonal depression which I do but that didn't help um and I remember what really set it off was and I, at this time I was like starting to really be like am I a Christian like now that my parents are gone mm. I can like think about it <laughs> and I was like yeah. am I a Christian and I that that question really upset me but I was finally like not surrounded by anyone who like was in my everyday life that I was finally able to be like I don't know I don't know and that made me really upset and made me feel very like unstable because that was still like very much like the center of my life that I like built everything yeah. on um yeah but what really set it off funny enough is like so another thing about being part of like conservative culture is you are taught that like climate change is a hoax and like um it's not real it's not happening it's overblown mm -hmm. um it's Al Gore's money-making machine which I still don't know how they got to that conclusion but that's what my mom says um but so I never really thought about it too much and then that that was like 2018 and I don't know if this was true for everyone but it felt like that was the year that everybody was like oh shit like we're fucked like and maybe that was just me but I feel like that was the first year that like the IPCC or whoever was like no like 
we're fucked. Like, we're done yeah. lying. Like, <laughs> we are going down. <laughs> and not that they're ever lying, but I, I guess the way I interpreted it was, like, in the past, they've been like, hey, um, hey, like, hey, like, um, like, things are bad. But that was the year that they were like, fuck it, like, we're going down. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God. And I, I remember reading the IPCC report in my house alone and I just had the biggest panic attack I'd ever had in my whole life. And oh my gosh. just like, I, I, I had a breakdown, like I had a nervous breakdown and I like, yeah. and I just like, cause I just had never thought about it. And I think it, it all just kind of like came together. And I was like, Oh my God, God isn't real. No one's coming to save us. And the earth is literally ending. And my whole world just fell wow. apart in that moment. And, um, so that winter was very hard. And that was when I started to be like, I'm, I'm suicidal. Um, I, I didn't really have a, a name for it at the time, but I was very numb. And I was just like very, not even anxious at that point. I was just like completely numb. I did not want to wake up every day. I, I did not know what to do with myself. And, and I was alone in the house. And I remember it really occurred to me because like we we're talking about, I lived alone and it, you know, I mean, it's not like I live in an unsafe neighborhood, but I remember talking to my family and being like, ah, I might like want to have a gun just like for self-defense. Like I, I live alone. I'm a woman like talking to them about it. And they were like, yeah, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Like, you know, we'll get you. I'm gonna get you trained whatever. And I was like, okay, okay, cool. And then I was like going to get my like, um, like concealed carry license, but I kept putting it off and I kept putting it off. And I was like, why am I putting this off? Like, why don't I just go do it? And then I was like, you know, I don't think it's a good idea to have a gun in the house right now. And then I was like, oh, shit. Like, I kind of want to die. <laughs> and that was the first time that I was like, I wish I was dead. And I wish I wasn't here. And if I had if I had an easy way to do it, I might take it. And, wow. yeah, that was. Oh, my God. That was my low. Um, because it just felt like that's when, like, the rug got pulled out if that makes sense it's like yeah everything that had happened <laughs> totally. kind of just like hit all at the same time and I was like oh like uh, no one's coming no one's coming to save me no one's coming to save any of us like it's it's all over like it wasn't real I suffered all that pain for nothing like it's there's no plan for me and there's no plan for anyone we're, we're all gonna die in this in this like fire and and I just like yeah, I uh, wanted to be dead. And um, thankfully, I don't know how I pulled it together. I really can't tell you, like, the moment that I was, like, I don't know. I just remember that I was, like, I think I got to go back to therapy, <laughs> which, thank yeah. God, you know. And I, yeah. looking back, I I mean, I, I just have to say thank you to all my friends that were there for me Um, that I, at that time. <sighs> that's probably the only reason I'm still here. Just people were there for me and people, mm. you know, were just, yeah. One of my best friends, Jess, like lived right down the road and, and she would come hang out with me. And I never really told anyone cause I didn't want to worry them. And, but I was, I think people knew I wasn't doing good. Um, and, and they just like were there for mm -hmm. me and I, and I got back into therapy that January and slowly, slowly I started to like, just unpack everything and and get a little bit better and I mean the winter really didn't help I really do struggle with like seasonal depression and I live in Pittsburgh which is notoriously like very um a lot of people have it here <laughs> which is because we like don't get enough sun the winters are, are kind of bleak here um uh, but it just kind of like 
yeah, I mean, uh, that's what I had to do. I had to go to therapy and I had, I had to talk about everything. I had to talk about my dad being sick and I had to talk about everything that happened at school. And that was the first time that I was like, and I don't know, but I might like girls too. And that's a whole nother thing. And my therapist was like, okay, wow. I mean, like you're allowed. <laughs> and I was like, am I, I don't know. No one ever let me be anyway. So everything just kind of like came out. Um, and what years? So that's 2019 now. And then, well, then I met, um, my current partner and then you know then it kind of went from there it's, it's kind of been a different story since then but he um really helped me with a lot of things um and and talking to him and getting close to him definitely helped me deal with a lot of things too so you know mm-hmm. shout out to him as well but you know I'm still currently working through it obviously um yeah I just recently had an experience like I said so so the college has invited Matt Walsh to come speak, which if you don't know who that is, I'm very happy for you. Um, he's a nuisance to put it mildly. Um, he's, he's a conservative blogger, but he's, he says extra inflammatory things on purpose. I think, I think he's very smart. I think he gets people to like click on his blog by like being very inflammatory. Um, and he's very, he's most infamous for saying very homophobic and transphobic things. And, um, mm. They're inviting him basically to say those things <laughs> at the college. And wow. I I saw that. And at first, I, my first reaction was just like, oh, my God. Like, very like, yep, of course, like, that's what's happening. And I kind of just, like, laughed because I was like, it's just, like, gets more and more di- ridiculous every day out there. And at first it was funny. And I, like, spent the day trolling their Instagram comments, um, which I shouldn't have done. <laughs> it was a little <laughs> bit fun and a little bit funny. And I'm not sorry. But then the next day I cried the whole day um yeah because it just was like oh my god like they don't care at all like there's still queer kids there and now they have to hear this and and someone might hurt themselves because of this and they just don't care and they and they did it to me too and there's no end to it and I just like I still don't know what to do with that I I still don't know what to do with that it's just hard feeling like you are never going to get an answer you're never going to get an apology. They're never going to acknowledge what they did because they don't care. And, um, yeah, I still struggle with that. I I know I need to get to the place of accepting of like, I'm not, I'm not going to get one, you know? And, Mm. and it wasn't my fault. It's hard. It is hard. Um, and, but it's harder just to know that like, there are still kids there being hurt and, and again, it's like that. I think people say like, Oh, well, why did they stay? Why did they go there? it's complicated you it's hard to explain if you're not in that kind of community but a lot of kids have to go there like they literally are forced to by their parents or like it's Mm -hmm. like well I'm only paying for this school so like you have to go here um I had that happen to like some of my friends and so a lot of kids really don't have a choice when it comes to that I did have a choice and so I feel bad because like I feel like I should just like but um but it just like some people don't and so like there's always going to be queer kids at Grove City College and they're always going to be in danger. And I just, like, don't know what to do about that. Um, oh, my gosh. And that's why I feel like I need to name the school because, like, people need to know. If you're queer, please don't go there. If you're even – if you're mm. an ally, like, just please, like, if you can avoid it, you're going to get so hurt because I promise you they don't care. They don't care. And there's no one to turn to there. And I'm sorry because mm. it just keeps getting worse. Um, and that's yeah. – yeah, it is. So that mm-hmm. that is where it's at now. Yeah. And so now, like, 
how are you feeling? I guess you sort of shared exactly how you're feeling, but uh, I guess I'm curious, like, how are you feeling about your faith now in particular? Yeah, so I don't have a good answer. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess I would categorize myself as like maybe someone who is agnostic. Um, I wouldn't call myself a Christian anymore. Um, It's hard because I heard someone say this somewhere. I I can't remember. I wish I could attribute this to someone, but on another podcast, I think I heard someone talking about like everyone grows up with a lens and you know, whether or not you liked that lens, whether or not you choose a different one, that's always going to be part of you. And that's kind of how I feel is like, I might not be a Christian anymore, but the Christian lens is always going to be something that I carry, something that I'll be able to see through if I want to. Um, It's still part of me. And it's hard because my parents are still in it and I, and I Mm -hmm. miss being able to connect with them in that way. And I've never told them, you know, I mean, you know, obviously I've mentioned a lot of things on this podcast. I've never, I've never come out to my parents um, and I've never told mm-hmm. them that I don't really believe in God anymore. So if I hear this, I'm sorry. I don't think they will. I don't think they know what a podcast is. <laughs> um, <laughs> if they do, sorry. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of hard because like, I still don't really feel like I can be as honest as I want to with them just because it it would, it would hurt them. Not because I think that they would, like, disown me or anything. I mean, that does happen to people, but I don't think that would happen. I think my parents would just be scared because then they would be, like, for for their belief system, that means that I'm going to hell. Um, and I yeah. I just don't want them to live in that fear. To me, it's just not worth it. Um, so I, like, yeah, I basically, um, I, I can't really, I, it feels uncomfortable to me to come down one way or the other like my my cousin is like a very ardent atheist um and and he has like no space for any religion and that doesn't feel comfortable yeah. for me because i'm like how can you anyone that says that they absolutely know everything that's happening in the universe to me i'm like eh, i think you need to like think it again and so like it's hard for me to be like oh well there's absolutely nothing supernatural in the world ever at all and there's no religion is right and there's no and that to me feels very weird but also like i i can't say that i like believe in this one god and he does this and that anymore right. um i don't know it's very confusing there are times there are times when i feel connected to a god I was talking I was talking to my partner recently and he said something like um cuz he does have religious background he was raised episcopalian which is which is different and he was talking to me about how he believes in that cuz I was like I don't know I was like if god exists we have major beef <laughs> is what I said I was like <laughs> maybe god is real but we are not fucking talking cuz he has some fucking explaining to do and he was like I just don't think that like the God that you were raised to believe in exists. And I was like, well, I sure hope Mm. the fuck not because he sucks if he's real. And, (laughs) you know, maybe there is another God out there. And part of me hopes that there is because that time, like those times when I, when I did believe, when I did feel connected to something bigger than myself, you know, those were very important to me. And I would like to feel that again, (sighs) but I don't know. Yeah. And when you're raised Christian people, talk about like christians will say like everyone has like this god-shaped hole in their heart and nothing else will fill it and sometimes i feel like that's true not in the way that they meant it but as in like when you're indoctrinated in that kind of faith it leaves a vacuum and it's hard 
to continue without it and it, and to this day sometimes I feel very like well what the fuck are we even doing here like <laughs> what, like life feels meaningless sometimes now but yeah. sometimes it feels even richer because I you know now I can do whatever I want and be whoever I want um it's very complicated I'm still very sad about it I almost feel like it almost doesn't feel like I walked away from the faith it feels more like it got taken away from me I didn't oh, wow does that make sense yeah that does make sense that like that like hits in my gut to hear like that's <laughs> yeah like that's really like heart heart-wrenching I didn't want to leave yeah I wanted it to be what I thought it was but yeah but it wasn't um and I mean the journey's never over who knows who knows what will happen I'm my I always I try to leave my heart and my mind open to whatever is most true for me at the time right now what's most true for me is that god the god that i was raised to understand does not exist and i feel comfortable saying that and i feel comfortable saying that i think that i don't know maybe something does that's bigger than us i really don't know i I feel comfortable saying that i don't know and Mm -hmm. and i still pray sometimes i don't know who i'm talking to but sometimes it just feels good to put my thoughts into the universe and i i do believe that spirituality is very human and to ignore that is kind of foolish and that's my problem with atheists a lot is they're very like it's just science all the time and i'm like well i mean like we're humans too like i i do think everybody needs some kind of spiritual practice and that's very different from religion but you know some people get really into astrology or some people just get into like meditating like you know anything like that like anything that gets you in touch with like yourself and the world around you is like Mm -hmm. you know I think everybody needs that and I think I'm still looking for like that thing yeah (sighs) but I'm trying not to like replace one dogma with another and I'm sure that's Mm -hmm. like a running theme on this podcast Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and that really is the question and I'm and I'm interested to listen to the other podcasts to be like, what do you do <laughs> after yeah. you? Uh, what do you do after you leave one ideology that was your whole life? Yeah. What do you do after that? Right. I don't know. Oh my gosh! Wow, what a story. That's like that. Just the the idea of you like reading that climate change report. What is it? The IRCC or something? Is that IPCC? The right? I think I can't IPCC. remember what it stands for. I might have pulled that out of nowhere, but <laughs> who knows? I don't. <laughs> um, but just like the image of that, or the idea of you reading that, and like that just sense of existential panic kind mm-hmm. of washing over you. That's exactly that sounds what it was. so intense. Yeah, it was terrifying. It was the most scared yeah. I've ever been. And then I, f- I, I couldn't, I don't know. And I still feel guilty about this because it's obviously still an issue. Um, And I, but it's, it's almost like too, it's too painful for me to think about because that was like my huge trigger. And in order to heal my other things, I kind of had to put like the climate change thing in a box to be like, okay, if I keep yeah. thinking about this, I'm like going to kill myself. So I had to like, I really had to like yeah. not think about it for a while. Absolutely. So I'm trying, I mean, I'm trying to heal. I'm trying to get better. And I am, I'm on Zoloft now. Shout out Zoloft, you know, and I, like, <laughs> I have gotten a lot better in a lot of ways and I'm really proud of myself, but it's still like, I remember, did you see that thing that people were posting of like some, I don't know who thought this was a good idea, but they put that like climate change clock on like wall street or something. Did you see that? I 
didn't see that, but it like also sounds familiar, so maybe I saw it. But it I was I, it's something like that. Like there's like a huge like countdown clock in like Wall Street yeah. or something that's like counting down because apparently we have like seven years until whatever happens. And oh yes, that yeah, to I me, I was like, I was like, please do not post that on anyone that I follow this timeline. Like that still is like such a trigger to me. Like I just like, yeah. And it just sucks because it's like, am I wrong for it to be a trigger? no no we should all be no terrified way. like yeah but we still have to right. like live our daily lives I, I i don't know i still don't know what to do with that i really don't yeah yeah i mean i think that's a question that like many people are grappling not to like minimize oh no um, yeah but like yeah so many people i think are like grappling with that especially right now yeah like given you know the pandemic not to like trigger other people <laughs> let it might be yeah. listening to this but yeah. um yeah it's a really really frightening reality i guess yeah and i mean that's another thing is like this obviously there's an election cycle going on that i kind of Mm -hmm. (laughs) blase like passed over and i and the 2016 election cycle was like so deeply traumatic to me like that was when like my worldview really started to get torn apart like to see all these people that i trusted like vote for this person not i mean i've changed a lot since then i've moved a lot further left and voting to me is very you know whatever not to get into that but like this election i've just been like ugh, (laughs) i don't know i just like have been really disengaged i mean i'm still gonna vote but like it's just like i've been very like what does it even matter which i i don't think is the right idea but i don't know how else to feel it's like a self-defense mechanism like i got so hurt last time it's like i can't get invested again like i can't you know i don't know it's it's hard I've been very numb since then, and I'm still working on that, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I'm curious. This is kind of a weird question, and it just came to me, but I'm going to ask. If you could, like, go back to your former self, freshman year, or in the midst of it all, I don't know which one, um, and, like, tell her anything, what would you tell her? You're queer. <laughs> <laughs> quit acting straight you are not a straight girl everyone is clocking you it's so embarrassing um that's amazing i would say that is such a good question i think i would just say this is gonna hurt so much but it has to be done and and i was just talking to this shout out another friend aaron who went to grove city um (laughs) i was talking to aaron about this and aaron was saying like um you know we were saying like sometimes we think about like what parallel universe me is doing who didn't go to grove city like is she healthier is she doing better but the reality is uh, she probably didn't go to therapy because she didn't experience that pain even though i needed to go to therapy for other reasons i might still be a christian and above all i certainly wouldn't be as radical as i am now and and i'm glad that i am you know and and that's what aaron said too and um and I, I hope that came, Aaron uses they, them pronouns. I said, she, I was talking about myself. Um, I would not misgender Aaron on this podcast. Um, and so that's like, that's really what it is. Obviously I can't do anything about it now. There are definitely times where I, where I, I used to live near Oakland, um, in Pittsburgh, which is like where the Pitt campus is. And I would look, I would sit on this hill in Shenley park and look over Pitt campus and think, Whew, man, what would have happened if I, if I had gone here instead? And I, I think about that and, but, but it's, you know, I don't, I don't know. I like, I don't believe, like, I used to believe that like God has this like plan, you know, and, and he knows it all and it's going to all happen. Everything happens for a reason. 
I don't know if I believe that anymore, but I certainly see how everything that happened got me to where I am now. And it's not perfect, but I'm happy and and I'm grateful for how I learned how to take care of myself and how I learned how to think critically about what's happening around me and how I learned how to stand up for myself even when no one would listen. I don't know. I, I just feel like those are things that still serve me to this day and make me a better person, a better friend, a better activist. And I'm grateful for that. Um, I think it made me more empathetic to like, uh, you know, like Grove City is a place where like queer people are actually oppressed. And people talk about these days of like, well, nobody, queer people aren't oppressed in America anymore. Like you can do whatever you want. And I'm like, well, baby, there's at least one place where they are. <laughs> and it's mm. Grove City, you know, and like to experience that, it was like, I don't know, it definitely increases your empathy of like, we were not allowed to be gay. Like you literally were not allowed. And like, that, it, it's it's hard to imagine in this day and age, but that's real. And it, it's like, this is just a reminder to me that like those kind of systems of power still exist in a lot of ways and they're very real and very powerful people want to uphold them. And I think that's something that motivates me every day. And if I didn't have that experience, I wouldn't know that. So, yeah. so tangibly. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, I mean, I wish I hadn't experienced all that pain. That's for sure. And if there was another way for me to learn all those things, I, <laughs> I wish I could have had it but it's over now and and that's what it is yeah absolutely so is there anything kind of wrapping up um is there anything that you would like to share before we um, wrap up or like do you have like reflections or wisdom maybe for people who who are listening who may honestly like identify with your story I guess I would say if you listen to this and you are someone who's starting to question their faith, and this really scared you. Um, I'm sorry, because I used to listen to things like this of people who like deconstructed and stopped being a Christian because I kind of knew that it was inevitable, but I didn't want it to. Um, I just want to say I'm really sorry. It really hurts, and it really sucks. And don't let people who don't understand the pain of losing this kind of faith system that you've built your whole life on. Don't let them make you feel like it's, it's easy to let go of, or you're silly for feeling so much pain. It's so painful. Please be gentle with yourself. Please go to therapy. <laughs> please, please go to a non-religious therapist so you can have a safe space to talk about it with. Um, just please, please, please have someone to talk to. Don't go through it alone. I, I mostly went through it alone. And that was really hard. And I went to a really dangerous place. Um, but this is a dangerous journey to go on. I'm not, it's not, you know, don't take it lightly. Go as slow as you have to. Be gentle with yourself. And wherever you end up is okay. You don't have to end up on the other side of the religious fence. If you can find a way to keep your faith in a way that makes you feel good and feels true to you, that's great. I'm not saying anybody... I'm not the type of person who's saying like, well, I left the face and not everybody has to No, I, I can't do it anymore. Sometimes I wish I could in this time right now. I can't. And that's just where I'm at. If you can, if you are, that's great. Just, just do whatever feels the most true and the most honest to you. And if you do decide to, to leave, it's going to suck. 
<laughs> I wish I had better advice. It's going to suck and it's going to be painful. Um, but there is a lot on the other side too, especially if you're queer. Um, there's a lot of freedom on the other side. And I'm sorry to say that, but it's it's really hard to feel that freedom when you're queer in those kind of religious structures. <sighs> and yeah, I love you. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry if you experience this pain as well. Um, but there's people out there you can talk to. There are communities you can join. There's there's ex-evangelical communities online that helped me a lot. I would definitely search that tag on like social media um, and connect with with other people. I would say that's the biggest thing is connect with other people who have gone through your pain. Cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of us and we're out there mm-hmm. and yeah, people will be there for you. Um, it'll be okay, but it is really scary. Don't downplay that, you know, just be gentle with yourself. So yeah. If you'd like to hear more from Gabby, you can check her out on Instagram. I'll leave her handle in the show notes. You've listened to another episode of Out of the Woods. I am your host, Molly. If you'd like to subscribe on Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com slash outofthewoodspod and follow on Instagram at outofthewoodspod. See you next time.